Hey everybody, this is Matt from Don't Unfriend Me. It's episode 84, 84 on January 15th, and it's Friday. It's late. I've got 12 minutes before the hockey game starts. It was a long day in Washington, D.C. You might have seen on Facebook that we had a brand meeting with DeWalt. It went very, very well, and I'm excited for that. And what are we going to talk about tonight? Well, a few topics. One is we're going to talk a little bit about karate, and then we're going to talk about sleep. I know. Just stick with me here. And then after that, we will talk a little bit about the NRA. A pretty quick show. Not going live tonight. Hockey game. We will do that on Saturday. So it will be Friday night live on Saturday, which we can uh, have a fun show because maybe some documents will be released in the dead of the weekend, which would help. So we can find out more about Obamagate. But for now, since we're going to talk about karate, let's talk about karate teacher. There was a guy named Walter Slavatsky. You'll hear me talk about Walter, and maybe you have read the books about Walter Slavatsky, but he's one of my favorite characters ever, and he talks about his time in Kempo Karate and Taekwondo, and Master Cho was his sensei. And him and some friends decided to join karate when they were being bullied when they were younger. And they got into karate, and for the first day they got there, they were told to wear shorts and T-shirts and running shoes. And when they saw Master Cho, he was wearing an 80s headband. He had a T-shirt and silkies on, and he said, follow me. And I'm not going to do a Korean voice. Sorry, it's not going to happen. As they were running, they started to jog and wound up jogging one mile. And after a couple of weeks and every other day doing this, they went to two miles. And then after a couple of months, they were at three miles. Six months, they would continue to run, and that's all they would do. And Walter was getting frustrated and upset. And finally, one day before they went to start their run, he asked Master Cho, Master Cho, we haven't learned any karate. What is going on? And why are we continuing just to run? Master Cho says, the most important first lesson in karate is that whenever you are faced with an altercation, you should turn around and run and prefer to run one, two, or three miles as hard as you can. And if the people or person is still chasing you after that, And it's still important. Turn around and beat them up because they are going to be exhausted and you will be just beginning. Walter Slavatsky and those Slavatsky laws. They are fantastic. I'm going to bring them into the show once in a while, and you'll know what I'm talking about. And let's see if you can find the series. It's fantastic, and it's one of my favorites. Folks, once again, this is Matt from Don't Unfriend Me. It's wonderful to see you. Matthew Spear is my name, and having a conversation is my game. Ooh, I'm a poet, and I didn't know it. Uh, You can reach me on Facebook. Obviously, this was causing some hiccups last time. Let's hope it doesn't happen again. I may just have to give up on the Facebook links. There we go. Don't unfriend me host for Facebook. You can follow me over on Instagram. All I ask is you take a second. Please give me a follow on any of these social sites or all of them. It helps. Every time you give me a like, follow, or share, a lot of places pay good money for that. And honestly, I am doing it organically, and I would appreciate it if you could help me out. If you've already followed on Facebook, thank you. You can also follow me on those other sites, and that will also help with a like, share, and subscribe. 
Folks, what are we going to talk about tonight? Well, we already discussed it. So let's get into episode 84. It should be a quick and fun one. The NRA. I've been a card-carrying member A since my days in the military. My grandfather had crossed rifles in the back, and it was on his left-hand driver's side. He had a Winchester in his window in a 308. My father was NRA. My great-grandfather supported anything that had to do with guns, but I don't think he was a member of the NRA. It's been a long line in my family, and usually what you saw was the military decorations on the right and the NRA on the left. And it's something that I had on my vehicle early on in my life after my military career. I am an avid Second Amendment supporter, and I do believe in your right to bear arms with no equivocations. You should be able to carry one on your hip, on your shoulder, in your car, out of your car, in your pocket, loaded, unloaded, and it doesn't matter. As long as you don't carry a bazooka, you're good to go. The NRA, in my opinion, has lost its way focused on a lot of things, but none of it seems to be Second Amendment protection. It started in California. And in my time in California, I saw some things be banned and drop off the face of the earth. One of them was high-capacity magazines and even medium-yield-capacity magazines, as far as 30s or 100s. And everything, including AR-15s, had to go down to 10 rounds with the sissy ejection port on the right-hand side for the mag ejection, had to have a push pin and a pin set in order to be legal. Any type of modifications on the AR-15, including its stock or any type of flasher, were outlawed. Certain types of sights were also outlawed. And the AR-15 basically became a pop gun. And if California had its way, bolt-action rifle, black powder, and shotguns would be the only thing because semi-automatics would be banned. And the NRA has done nothing. $100 million a year, they give their CEO $5 million, and they don't make enough, and they don't draw enough recruits anymore and members to support the attack and the assault on the Second Amendment. Now, I don't know if that's their fault, or is it just the string of losing battles that they have fought and the lackluster backup that Donald Trump did not provide for them? at all in the four years. Donald Trump was critical of the NRA, as he should be. I then moved to Houston, Houston, Texas, where I saw gun rights also be challenged in the great state of Texas, which it didn't stand on a leg, but people like Beto O'Rourke raised millions and almost turned the state to a purple, if not blue. And then one of the big tropes that he went ahead and tossed around was his Second Amendment gun grab. And he is crazy enough to go door to door for a gun grab. And then I moved to the Don't Tread on Me state, Virginia, the beautiful yellow flag and the Gadsden. And what do we see here? That Virginia is hardly recognizable anymore. And although you can still conceal carry here in Maryland and Washington, D.C., you can't. And the gun grab has begun in Virginia. 100,000 people marched on the Capitol and the NRA were nowhere to be found. Dana Lausch and Colin Noor are two people I respect very much. And Colin Noor has left the NRA. And the NRA is great at fundraising and raising political capital, and from what I've heard, not paying their taxes. They are fleeing New York and heading to the great state of Texas, where I hope their legal troubles do not follow them. But ultimately, it sounds like they have had malfeasance when it comes to their money and what they do for donors and members. They don't have a money problem. They don't have a members problem. They have a doing their job problem. And I have almost given up on the NRA completely. 
This year was the last time that I have actually sent in money and received my fun duffel bag or amazing subscription to Guns and Ammo. And I have ensured that I have a membership to USCCA for my concealed carry license and insurance. I'm not being paid for this. I don't necessarily have an endorsement with them or anything to say about them other than they protect the rights that I have. And if I am in a shooting and in the unfortunate circumstances, I believe the USCCA will protect me and the NRA will not. Although the NRA says that it protects gun owners, what good is it if you actually have to use your gun and the NRA is is nowhere to be found? And this is the casualty of a once great lobbyist organization. The funding for political impact is virtually nil. You look in 2014, uh, 2014, 42 races between the House and Senate the group of the NRA actually had involvement and donations to those campaigns and had impact on those campaigns. But in 2018, there were only 24 races and $10 million. So they are making more than they have and they are spending even less. It's almost like they're not the national rifle association. It's like they're the NMA, the national money association, but they don't want to spend it on its members. And that is their job after all. I would ask that people consider another option is to get your concealed carry, go out and buy a gun, and support your local Second Amendment groups and ensure that you are armed because the more guns that we have, the harder they will be to take away. And yes, even the ones that fell into the ocean in that unfortunate boating accident that's happened to all gun owners, and we just can't seem to find those rifles anymore. We're sorry, ATF. It was a really bad boating accident. Let's talk about sleep. Sleep is one of the things you don't get in the military. From the start of boot camp till the end of your career, you will be cold, wet, and tired. That is what I heard in the Navy, and it was true. You learn to sleep in the craziest positions, up against the bulkhead, underneath the rack, and in fact, on Ricky Sunday, we would have four hours to ourselves from 0800 to 1200. And we would be responsible for writing letters or shining our shoes or reading the UCMJ or reading the Rocks and Shoals, as they are called, or reading a hierarchy chain of command or any other onset of rules that we had to stuff down our gullet and somehow process. But when we were done writing letters back to our lovely sweetheart back home, we would go underneath our racks, which is our beds. And underneath there, the sheets would be Uh, pulled down and that's how you get your tight fold 45 degree angle and tuck but those would come undone so there was a trick which is to take the ends of the sheets and wrap them around the coils and tie a double knot and your bed doesn't move and a lot of people wouldn't get into their rack they would sleep on the top and sleep just about anywhere and you learned how to navigate the lack of sleep but on occasion, people like myself and others got smart and realized that with the collar of their shirts they could button and go ahead and loop it around the coils, which made it look like you were tucking your rack, and catch some shut-eye. I knew people who went into the shower and fell asleep under the water. You are tired most of your career. But now there are people who are complaining about the soldiers and the National Guard who are in our capital protecting our country, protecting our monuments, and protecting our lawmakers. And they are complaining that it's disrespectful to sleep on the marble floor, in the halls of our institutions. And I will tell these people that they have no idea what it's like to serve your country. And those halls are made for those soldiers. 
and they are to be quartered there, and they should be respected and honored for protecting our country during a very tumultuous time. I don't care where they sleep. They can sleep standing up. They can sleep on a staircase. They can go into Uncle Abe's arms and go ahead and lay on his lap as they catch some shut-eye. They have earned the right to sleep anywhere they want. And I really don't appreciate people questioning the way that they protect you. If you have a problem, then get a rifle and do it yourself. Otherwise, shut up. If they can sleep here in a foxhole and protect themselves from the cold air with one blanket or maybe a thermal blanket and have their saw at the ready to mow down any opposition in their way, then they can sleep on the Capitol. If they sleep in the desert hot sun and just try to catch a few winks so they can perform their job at a higher level and a state of readiness that none of you possibly could understand, they've earned the right to sleep at the Capitol. And lastly, if they can sleep on the unforgiving Afghanistan dirt and the rocks that always seem to have just small enough rocks to get in your boots and make you the most uncomfortable human being in the world, but also be big enough to slip on, slide on in the morning dew and the evening slick where you would snap an ankle while going through your patrol, then they can sleep on the Capitol. This is the type of thing that drives military people nuts. And honestly, we are too tight-lipped and too loyal to our unit and to our command to say anything. But I am no longer in the military, and I can tell you all to please go take a nap and shut up. As a young boy, I was picked on regularly. And it's not because I'm a big mouth, because I still have a big mouth. But I will tell you it was. I was short. I was fat. I was absolutely a smart aleck. And I will tell you that the kids in my classes were mean. I didn't develop quickly, my mind or my body. And I was short and a loud mouth, and that got me attention that I didn't want and didn't need. And once you are labeled that way, you will be bullied and picked on. I was, terrified to fight. <clears throat> I was terrified to fight. I was terrified to defend myself. And I was always afraid of coming home and hearing it from my father, who would ridicule me more than just about any bully on the street. Now, here's the thing is that I don't lament this. I don't cry about this. I don't need to go see my psychologist and get into a safe space. It molded me in who I am today. And I actually thank the bullies that I grew up with. It taught me a lot about not listening to people who are ignoramuses and simply stupid. I learned how to fight. I learned how to grow. I learned how to develop my body. And I learned how to protect myself. But it didn't come at an early age. And there was a cost because I was too afraid to hit back. I will tell you this. I didn't play football because I was afraid to hit. I didn't play sports because I was afraid to hit. And I used to let people pummel me because I was afraid to hit. Until I had a Ralphie moment and essentially released all the rage that I had for 17 years upon one suspecting boy who didn't suspect anything. Ill-suspecting boy who didn't suspect anything. And I will tell you that I pummeled him into oblivion and I won the fight. And ever since then, I have learned how to protect myself. But I ensured that my son would also know that. And there are two things that I want to develop in him, his body and his mind, the two things I was lacking. My son started karate, specifically taekwondo, at two years old. The moment that he could truly stand on his own and actually have some mobility, we put him in this sport. 
He was the first black belt in Texas through Little Dragons. That stops at five years old. It usually takes anywhere from four to five years to get that, which means a child would have to start at sub one, which is impossible. My son advanced so quickly and did so well, they put him in adult Taekwondo at the age of six. He is prolific, he is strong, and he has wonderful grace and balance, and if you saw his forms, you would be impressed. But not just that, there is something else I've ensured that he has gotten, and I have helped him develop his mind. But first, I want to show you the video, and then we can go from there so you can see him break one of his boards to receive his adult green belt at seven years old. He is on track to be a black belt at the age of 11. Oops, let's do it again. Master Cho is amazing. He has trained Olympians. He has trained Secret Service. He's been a bodyguard. He's been a champion in Korea. And the guy's list is ridiculous. If you watch my son when he first started Taekwondo, his balance, his strikes were off, and his confidence was low. But he has learned extremely quickly in the last six months with Master Cho. He had to learn how to count to 30 in Korean. He had to learn Korean over 12 different sayings. He had to learn all of his steps. And he has learned how to kick effectively. And let me tell you, it absolutely hurts like the Dickens. Now, there's something irresponsible about giving your kid karate and not developing their mind. So I want to recommend to all parents. There is a book by Jocko Willink who is a Navy SEAL team commander and worked for SEAL Team 6. He is brash, he is tough, he is strong, and he is actually one of those people you would not consider to be the smartest and the brightest because he doesn't come off that way. However, he is a genius. And the man has been doing wonders for executives and people in business for years. But he has written a series of books that my kids read together every single night. And he uses the SEAL Team teachings of how the only easy day was yesterday. And how you never quit as long as you have fight left. And literally the first book is about kids doing pull-ups. It teaches you self-confidence. It teaches you that it's okay to fail. It teaches you to understand that quitting isn't an option, but learning from your mistakes is. And I strongly recommend this. There are two pieces that I've talked about, which is physical and mental strength. And they are absolutely imperative. And you can get these books on Amazon, and I'm not being paid for them. They are a fantastic read for anyone, including adults. The last thing I will say is that bullies need to be held accountable. I can't imagine what it would be like if my kids came home and said that they were bullied. It would bring up horrible feelings inside me. But I will tell you one thing. I have told my children this. If you cannot get away, if you cannot stop the fight, and it comes to you and you do not have a choice, you both get involved. You recruit every friend you can, and you attack that bully with everything in your heart until a teacher jumps on you and makes you stop. Bullies only understand one thing. And yes, they may be having problems at home. They may be suffering from abuse. They may have influences in their life that we can't possibly understand. And I don't care. My children are raised to protect themselves, and they will. And they will do that throughout their life because their father can't fight their battles for them, just like my father didn't fight them for me. 
But the difference between my dad and me is that I am not going to leave them unprepared and unarmed for a fight they face. And if they do have to fight, they will win or lose together. Folks, that's it for my show. My game started eight minutes ago. I have got to go. But first, before I do, it's always important to end the show with the Veteran Crisis Hotline. 1-800-273-8255. Press 1. 22 veterans commit suicide a day. If you cannot make that call or you don't know how to talk to a veteran, which is possible, they are tight-lipped about their service. Please reach out to me or someone else who you know, and we'll help you make that call. If you can't make that call, go to www.dontunfriendme.com. Click on the VCL link in the top right-hand corner, and you'll be connected to a Skype call absolutely free with a counselor. And if you are not a veteran, you can make that call, and they will take care of you as well. Folks, thank you for watching my show. Remember, it's just my opinion. Don't unfriend me, and I will see you tomorrow for episode 85 because I think I owe you another one because this one was just a little short. Thanks so much. God bless, and go Avs. Let's win this game. Thanks for watching Don't Unfriend Me, everybody. I want to recommend Alex from Aleko's Design. He works on all of my video and graphic design, and he is amazing. Please give him a shot. Please head on over to his website at www.alekosdesigns.com. And one more quick thing before we go, folks. Still Point does the music intro for the show. They are listeners. They are fans, and we absolutely love them. Special thanks that amazing song and you can hear citizen soldier at reverbnation.com slash still point <laughs>